out. Beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Today I speak with my new friend and body talk practitioner, Fiona Coward. I would like to say a lot about Fiona and our chat, but this is a long episode. So I'm going to allow you to get right into it. Fiona can be found at www.f5bodytalk.co.za and on Facebook. Just search for F5 Body Talk. This podcast is supported by The First Layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There's also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on The First Layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. This is Fiona's story. Sit back and enjoy. Fiona, welcome to Meet Me in the Field. Thank you. Thank you very much for being here. I I thought you were driving all the way from Stellenbosch, but now I realize you just just virtually rolled down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally rolled down the road from Joburg, (laughs) ended up here. You newly, you arrived in Cape Town how long ago? I moved to Somerset West um, November last year. So it's about six months. Yeah, yeah. So quite a big change. Are you a Johannesburger born and bred? Yes. Okay. I went to Stellenbosch for university though, and um, but then went back to Joburg and I've pretty much been there ever since. But when I sort of moved into this new reinvention and reincarnation of myself, Joburg just wasn't the place for me to be. Okay. And just circumstances brought me down here. And September, popped in, had a look-see and liked what I saw and was down here literally within a month. Oh, wow. Yeah, so big moves, big changes, but sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do yeah. just to make things happen. How are you adapting, adjusting to Cape Town lifestyle? Well, I, I call Somerset Summer, West the Platteland because I, I come from Johannesburg originally and then yeah. lived in Cape Town. Yeah. So this is the smallest place I've ever lived in. <laughs> I refer to, well, to, to life on the Platteland, which is it, lovely. It is in a way. Um, Johannesburg is pretty much divided up into miniature villages. So where I lived, which was in four ways, okay. you literally had everything within about a four or five yes. K radius. So you never really had to leave your village. Yeah. And I think that's how one survives the big cities. So moving down here has been interesting because it's got a very different vibe to it. It's peaceful, it's quiet, roads are quiet. There isn't the freneticism of Joburg. And for me, the most important thing is the healing energy that I find here. Oh, cool. Then, and I think a lot of that is to do with the environment. So you have all these ancient trees with all their wisdom. You have the mountains that are just so solid Mm -hmm. and unmoving in the face of all of us and our dramas. And I think that brings a, a sort of a whole different perspective and energy to what one does. Awesome. So I'm enjoying it here. I, every day I drive around and I look at the changing colours of the trees and the open spaces within the suburbs and, of course, the backdrop of the mountains. Mm. And I just feel very blessed. Yeah. You're going to love it even more when you need to renew your car licence? Oh, I've been there, but eventually I just resorted to sending it back to Joburg for renewal. No. <laughs> so it was okay, but then I just figured I just don't want to go and get new number plates and all of that. Oh, okay. oh yes, that was... Yeah. So you yeah, had to go... Yeah. But once you've settled with the, with, with the actual... Yeah. Mm. It's 
five-minute process. I know. They're amazing. <laughs> I literally, I walked in there, extremely helpful, and yeah. then, you know, obviously couldn't help me there and then. And then I just went back now to register change of ownership on my car. And super efficient. Yeah. Oh, no, it's an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Yeah, you can, you can virtually just quickly pop in and do yeah, it. it, it yeah, it's not yeah. a day process yeah, that, that you have yeah. to go through. So, yeah, exactly. so that's when I realized, I love being here. <laughs> no, for sure. There's a, there's a very definite change in the pace. But I suppose because there's maybe more time that people just do things yeah. better or whatever it is. Everything that I've experienced so far down here has been really, really cool. And, um, you know, and I found it quite interesting because I've had to change a little bit about myself in that I've really had to force myself to reach out to people because uh-huh. of course you become yes. kind of complacent in your old your yeah. old place and you know you have your circle of friends and you have the people that you know you know you're just comfortable yes. and then of course coming down here and you're exactly two people in the whole of Somerset West <laughs> and you know and it's been a it's been a real eye-opener in terms of having to put myself out there, yes. you know, really try and connect to people and just develop those relationships as well. People say, there's so many people that say that Cape Townians are clicky. And I say to people that if you, you go into an environment where people have their set friendships, mm. they, they have their friends. Mm. No, they, they're quite okay with their friends yeah. invariably. So why, yeah. why would they go out of the way to incorporate you? Yeah, exactly. It, it's our job as a newbie mm. to reach out. And mm. I, and I did that when I arrived in Cape Town, and I really settled in very, very easily because mm. I made the effort. If somebody mm. said, you know, that old thing, oh, we have to meet for coffee, mm. and I would say, when? Mm. Mm. Um, as the suits, Monday, yes, it's a very Monday much a consciousness o'clock. one yeah, has to does have. Does Monday 12 o'clock yeah. suit you? Yeah, No, yeah. Monday, Tuesday? Yes, Tuesday is good. Okay, meet you Tuesday, where shall we go? And then that happened. Yeah. So it was, I saw it as my responsibility yes. to take that step yes. because they set, settled in their lives. Exactly, and I'm finding that as well, that, you know, you have to reach out. So when people are, you know, they're sort of open for all of that as well, then, you know, make it, take advantage of it. You may connect, you may not, but it's just part of the process. And it's also part of, almost in a way, training an aspect of yourself that you maybe haven't developed before or not in a long time. So that's been really interesting. And then also because I enjoy hanging out at coffee shops, sometimes it just turns mm. out that you end up in conversation with people. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things I have discovered about myself is that I need to have at least daily contact with people, if not one-to-one, just being in an environment yeah. with people as well. So, you know, sitting at home, no matter what work I'm doing and things like that, is not good for me and, and probably for most people. So just being in a space where there are people where there's a bit of a yes. energy and that has become quite important as well. I agree. So from what I hear from the way you speak, you are very English. Well, it's a mix. Um, English, yes. Uh, my father was actually Scottish. Okay. And then he came out during the war. And uh, my mother is descended from Mauritian French. Oh, my word. So there's a real mix in okay. there. So a mix of cultures. Yeah. And then, of course, being South African. So um, that's been really interesting because, you know, we we enjoy the, the aspects of the different cultures as well. So the sort of Scottishness and the mm. bagpipes and the kilts and all of that <laughs> as well. Yeah. And then, of course, on the French side with the, the French culture. So it's sort of created a bit of a mix, but um, has sort of given us an interesting time growing up with yeah. aunts and uncles who are all in in those various awesome. camps of of, um, 
of history. So, so yes, very mixed in that regard, but South African in the end. Yeah. So where I'm going to with that question is, so how the hell did you end up at Stellenbosch University? <laughs> the bastion van Afrikaner dorp. <laughs> oh, it was because, yes, well, first of all, my sister went there first. So that actually opened up the doors because I don't think I would have got in because my marks weren't that great. Okay. And pretty uh, kids of today where the marks have got to be super, super mm-hmm. awesome. But um, it was one of the few universities that offered a, a course in physical education. Okay. And so that's what I wanted to study because I was just loved sport. I think okay. sport was what got me through school. And um, and it just, you know, then there, there just weren't that many options. I mean, nowadays, you know, universities offer so many different yeah. courses that new are innovative and they're changing all the time. And then it was a little bit more difficult. But it kind of um, suited me because, as I say, I loved sport and I've always had this kind of connection to sport. Okay. And so that's when I came yeah. down here and I did my degree down here. Okay. Yeah. Growing up in that interesting culture, was there a sense of religion, of religious uh, practice in your home? Oh, yes. Catholic. Ah. Ooh. So not my father. My father was sort of a-religious, but he used to come to the major feast days. But of course... French Catholicism, and so we went to a convent, and um, and there was that whole um, imbuing of us in that whole sort of Catholic process, and the ceremonies, and the feast days, and all the celebrations of the church. But um, I don't think we were ever that committed. Okay. Um, although you know, um, in my my mom's family, my my uncle was actually a Catholic priest, okay. and then he became a bit disillusioned with the church. And eventually left, and um, and he then married as well. So, I think when I got to university, it was more, you know, we kind of went and met all the people, you know, that were all the Catholics and things like that. But it was it was never really a big thing, okay. and we sort of started to move away from any organised religion okay. as early as university. So it didn't and resonate with you that much that you felt no, this this, no. this was something that you needed to pursue for example. No, I mean, or I you're going to burn in hell. Well, I actually never ever, that never really kind of got its Did you know that fear? I grew up with that fear. I was so afraid that I would die during the night and I didn't pray that I would end up in hell. No, I, and, and I'm not too sure why, but perhaps it was because despite being Catholics, I think perhaps, especially when I think about my grandmother, she was very open as an individual and even though she had sort of been very immersed in the Catholic Church so maybe not maybe being exposed to my uncle who was a priest and was a little bit more forward-thinking than the Catholic Church okay. in those days as well might have had some influence yeah but no never really felt that never felt that fear okay. though I I see it I see it a lot and it's I think it's perhaps one of the things that pushed me away from yes. religion is that it's so much also many of them are fear-based yes. and and you know you know and threaten you with things that are <laughs> Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, uh, yeah, so yeah, moved away from that and never really was interested in okay. all of that. And in fact, I remember going to one of these charismatic church ah. things, yes, and feeling utterly claustrophobic. Yes. And I had to go outside. I just could not cope with that atmosphere <laughs> in there as well. So yeah. always been fairly independent in terms okay. of where I was going and, and what my thought processes were. So that's interesting with a if I think of Scottish, I think of a hard-headedness, a single-minded stubbornness. Mm. That, 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 that's a Scottish mm. picture that I, have, that I have in my head. When I see French, I think of a kind of a 
elegant. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Sophisticated. Yes, no. but, but also <laughs> arrogance. The, the, this is so. Yes, there is the, very the, much that feeling of superiority. I think uh, you know, you know, and uh, I suppose within with reason for some respects. But yes, the French, you know, they couldn't give a damn about anyone are. else. <laughs> yes. So yes, there is that. And then the Mauritian. The, the 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 time I spent in Mauritius was was on holiday, but it was a it was a beautiful calmness, and the the, the mm. food of course was was amazing. Mm. So, did you pick up on the different cultures in your in your home? Yes, I, yes, there was. So my father used to teach Scottish dancing, and okay. so people would come along and they would have the whole thing. That's so with loved. Was no, that no, one? that's the ladies' one where they do that individual. So this would have been couples. Okay. And so they would have danced reels and things like that, okay. and they would teach them the steps and all of that as well. And we had Scottish dancers dancing evenings and things like that. And then the French side came out with the 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 almost the, the sort of family togetherness and the family get togethers where you know, there's such characters within the families <laughs> and my relatives as well. So Lovely. from a mad maddish Danish artist to you know, the, the priest then people who worked in the sugar fields and in the forestry things, oh, and they wow. all come together and we'd have these get-togethers over Christmas where people would cook and there'd be table tennis played and tournaments and, you know, absolutely mm. competitive. So there was a real mix of okay. all of that as well, but it was very much around um, family and that sort of connection and okay. there was a closeness within that as well. Cool. It was difficult for my father, though, because his family were all in the UK. But um, he really immersed himself in my mom's family and, as I say, with the, the sort of spreading of a bit of the, Sc- the Scottish culture. Okay. And then, of course, my brother has taken on the role of head of the family with mm-hmm. the handing over of the tam o <laughs> so, And so he has his clan kilt and all of oh, that wow, as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. So, so he's carrying it through. That's yeah, wonderful. And yeah, and it's nice to hold on to traditions in a way. Yeah. I mean, some traditions are... You know, I think one always has to examine them and see whether they work or not. But I think that sort of family connection and um, the celebration of family and that was was wonderful. And I mean, as children, yeah. we grew up with the most incredible memories of all of us being together and and um, spending time together. And the adults, you know, it was never adults there and children there. Oh, okay. It was just this kind yes. of mix of of involvement Fantastic. as well. Fantastic. Mm. So, what sport did you do at school? So at school, I played hockey and okay. didn't really do so well in tennis and sort of not okay swimmer. But I, you know, I represented the school on, in in hockey and swimming. And um, but it was only really when I went to university and then I got exposed to more sports as well that I sort of started to expand that. And what and tickled your fancy then? I played underwater hockey. Oh my word! Yes, I know. I loved it. Absolutely what? loved it. Underwater hockey yes. at Stellenbosch University. Yes, no, it was quite a big underwater club there. So we did a bit of diving and scuba diving and all of that as well as part of it. And I always remember there was some competition between the, the local universities and um, which included underwater hockey, spear fishing, and orientation. Underwater orientation, I think, was the third leg of it. And they needed somebody for spear fishing. And so they were like literally dressing me and putting on the wetsuit and whatever. And I just went and swam around in the shallows because there's no ways I knew what to do with the spear yeah. gun or anything <laughs> like that. So it was just, you know, being there for the team. So yeah, many, many years of that and tournaments and traveling around, going it. to tournaments. And then when I got back to Joburg after university, I continued okay. and carried on playing with the clubs up there. Okay. Yeah, so and that did, was a good one. Did you end up being a teacher? 
I taught for three years, okay. but then I got very bored as well. <laughs> it was really funny because, I mean, it's always circles within circles. So I taught for two years at a small Catholic school, and then I moved across to a school called Brescia House in Bryanston in Johannesburg at the same time that my mother became the first lay principal at oh, the school. Weird. Yeah, so she took okay. over from whoever the last nun was and um, as the lay principal. So I think she was a bit disappointed when I resigned from there <laughs> after a year. And then I went into public relations. Okay. And it was interesting that because, you know, sort of starting off, you know, your working career in the teaching field, I had no idea what people did when they went to work. <laughs> how do you know what to do? How do you, you know, how does that whole thing work? It was this <laughs> a big mystery. And then, of course, so I got into public relations and, and sort of started a whole new direction oh, cool. as well mm. i heard such a cute chat one day i can't remember where i heard it but this woman was watching her children playing mm. the boy and the girl and the girl was he was sitting under a tree mm. and the girl was kind of around just busy and she walked up to him and said so what's going on here mm. and he said well she's working in the house and i'm at work <laughs> so, so he knows father goes away he doesn't know what he's doing yes. so, he's, so he's sitting under the tree because he's at work <laughs> so, so did you ever picture people sit under trees <laughs> well it was a great mystery until I got into the work environment and then I discovered that it actually all flows quite easily <laughs> how and why PR so I've always been keen on the written spoken word okay. and um, I was a huge reader I've always been a huge reader, and that was one of the blessings from my father. He used to take us every Friday to the local library to take out our books. Oh, lovely. And I remember in primary school, I was, I think, the last kid in my class who still used to go to the traveling library when it pulled up and take out Did books. you have it as well? Yes. I told my friends about the traveling yes. library, and they thought I was daft. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yes. Absolutely fantastic. That's yeah. why I got, I read all the Secret Seven and Famous yes, Five from, from the Hardy Green. Boys. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, so I've, I've always loved that as well. And then... I can't remember how I did the course. I did a public relations diploma or something. Okay. I can't remember how I did that. And then decided that that was something that I wanted to get into. Cool. Yeah, and I enjoyed that because it's also an, a way in which you learn about so many different industries. Yes. And, um, you know, and sort of you, you get a snapshot of them. So you don't have the in-depth knowledge. But it was fascinating in terms of, and I always seem to end up with industrial type clients okay. as well, which I, I quite enjoyed. I was never really the retail, fast-moving goods okay. type person. And then eventually, I ended up working for a PR company that had Noxa as a client. And Noxa was the National Olympic Committee. Oh, yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and that I, saw it, I saw it with an X. In yeah. X and yeah, yeah, yeah. How are they? Okay, Noxa. Yeah, so the National Olympic Committee yes. of South Africa. And then I moved across to work for them. Oh, cool. I know, which was dream come true. I mean, can you imagine? Somebody who's passionate about sport. Yes. And now working for the National Olympic Lovely. Committee. Yeah, yeah. But in the interim, so I swapped my underwater hockey for canoeing. Canoeing. And particularly sprint canoeing. So you start off and you do doozy and all of yeah. those things as well. But I discovered sprint canoeing, which happened, ended up being an Olympic, well, it was an Olympic sport as well. And I just loved it. Oh, wow. It just, and even to this day, I know if, if I see it on television, I just have that pang. And, and I've never really found anything that replaces the love that I had for that. Oh, wow, um, okay. Now. So there was never a sport to replace it. So, you know, so there led to a whole lot of adventures, traveling overseas, um, competing overseas. Seriously? Yeah, oh, wow. I, I have traveled so many places through sport, mm. which has been, you know, it's also 
many, yeah. many blessings in that too. And I was an athlete in the old um, apartheid South Africa. Mm. And it was also through through my athletics that mm. I saw so much of South Africa, places yeah. I would never have gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I'm very, very grateful for that. So I'm trying to get to the insanity of the cycling you do now. <laughs> and I call it insanity because listen to this. <laughs> you you told us the other day about a... What's it? What's it? Cycle tour called? Was it's the, called the the Freedom Challenge. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's it's also called the Race Across South Africa. So it is a mountain bike race, unsupported, um, other than the fact that there are a chain of support stations that link Peter Maritzburg with Wellington <laughs> at various distances. That's Peter Maritzburg encased in with Wellington in the Western Cape. <laughs> so it's about two thousand three hundred k's. <laughs> And it includes riding your mountain bike, and it includes a portaging, and you have to navigate by map as well. So a narrative. So there's no GPSs or anything like that. But it is the most incredibly freeing thing to do ever, um, because you're so completely self-sufficient. You carry everything you need on your back. We send little two-liter ice cream boxes ahead of time to the various support stations, so you have some spares if you need them and, okay. and or some supplements and things like that and um, other than that it's just you and what you've got in your backpack Amazing. and it is completely liberating because you suddenly are free of the constraints of stuff you know and I wow. remember getting to the end and being so frustrated I actually got angry at looking at my bag of clothing <laughs> and I had to make decisions on what clothes to wear whereas on the trail you just don't have that. You've yeah. got two sets of clothing, and if it's not that one, it's the other one. Yes. And it's just, is, it's, it's brilliant. The mind space that opens up when you don't have all Absolutely. these choices. Absolutely. And then there's many places that you go through with no cell phone signal. So you're completely on your own. There's no ambulances around the corner. There's no marked trail. There's no medics on hand. So if you do something stupid, you know, you could be in, in, yeah. in deep trouble as well. And of course, I neglected to mention it was the middle of winter. Oh, okay. So... <laughs> So you experience complete extremes and you experience camaraderie that is, I think, is seldom felt, where the people that you meet on the trail, and I've done the full one that one time and then I've done numerous shorter sections as well, perhaps people you'll never meet again, but you have this bond with them yeah. that um, is just there and it's, and it's solid. So that adventure was just special, you know, just you yourself riding along in the most exquisite parts of the country, undiscovered places, lugging your mountain back over mountains that, you know, we've never seen white people necessarily, let alone oh, them with bicycles yeah. as well. So you ride through all the back end of beyond and and you meet the most amazing people, you know, the hosts at the support stations, right through from um, back end of KwaZulu Natal through to the Karoo Farms and things like that as well. I've never heard of that in my life. Yeah. So I was so yeah, surprised. Yeah. So how on earth did it happen that, that you got involved in this? I am not a hundred percent sure. I remember seeing <laughs> was an article. Involved? No, 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 no. I remember seeing an article somewhere and reading about it and thinking that sounded nice. And then um, that was the short one. So they have a race to Rhodes, which is from um, Peter Maritzburg to Rhodes, which is six days. Okay. And it's probably the toughest section of the trail. And I saw that and it, for some, oh, you see, we're skipping way ahead. I've done in, 
in early in the early 2000s I'd done a lot of adventure racing I had an all girls team which was unusual normally it's three men and a woman okay but we just ended up with four women and with a couple of other women who were part of it and we raced as a as an all women's team okay. so we kind of learned the skills of I wouldn't say survival, but you learned how to read maps and you had to be self-sufficient okay. and you had to find your way from point A to point B and through the night and all of those things as well. So that sort of spirit of adventure was still there. Okay. And, and you know, so that sort of eventually ran its course. And then I think it must have been around the time, I can't remember what I did in the interim of that, but then saw this thing and it looked good because it had the map reading and okay. all of that. And it, it was like an adventure race oh, as that well. Yeah, so it sort okay, of had that cool. yes. sort of overlap. So, and then I remember seeing that and deciding to do the six-day one. And I got two friends to do it with me. And How um, do you get two friends to do that with oh, you? Some other nutters. <laughs> <laughs> also adventurous types. <laughs> and former for, 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 for WhatsApp group, crazy people. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And so we did it. And then the, the two guys that I did it with, they both said, no, they wanted to do the long one the next year. And I was thinking, I don't think so. I didn't want to do, you know, I couldn't imagine riding all the way to Cape Town. How many days do you ride? It's entirely up to you. So the the cutoff is 26. Okay. And then people who race it, the record at the moment is um, somewhere around 10 and a half hours. Oh, sorry, 10 and a half days. days, Um, And that's just brutal. The average now, because obviously it's come down over the years as people have become more and more fair with long distance racing and stage racing and all of that. So it's probably around about 18 to 20, 21 okay. days. And then so it's people your, virtually who, your three week holiday that, yes. that, that you have going yes. to spend on the bicycle. Yes. And so you're pretty much taking off three yeah. weeks. Yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah, to get from that thing. But it is, in, in that in itself is, is, is also a spiritual journey. That's exactly what I was going yourself. to ask. Yeah, yes, your, I can and your imagine. weaknesses and yes. your strengths and and all of that as well, but also just being in that environment where it's just so pristine and the weather can be so extreme, mm. and we had extreme weather that year. Is it? Um, oh, yeah, driving sleet and snow Ooh. and all of that as well, And but it was wonderful. You never ride your bike under normal circumstances, <laughs> but here you were doing this stuff, and it was amazing. It really was amazing. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and you, and you have that exhilaration that comes from taking on the elements oh, as yes. well and, and, and battling your way through the elements. I mean, I remember the one time we literally were walking along and our bikes were flying out to the side because the wind was so strong. Good grief. And you, know, you couldn't ride, yeah. and you're just hanging on to the bike, you know, because that could just have taken off. And then when you climb these mountains as well, I mean, it's 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 dangerous because yeah. you you could get blasted off the mountain as Amazing. well. Amazing. Yeah, a life changing experience for for many people, and a lot of people I think go back because it's such an incredible detox from society. Okay, no phones, yes. no signal, you know, and and you completely responsible for yourself. So it's a privilege in that respect. And you can be completely self-centered because all you have to worry about is yourself and getting yourself from A to B. Yes. And that's, you know, seldom we get that, that chance yeah. to do that. That single-minded movement mm. from, mindful single-minded movement from mm. A to B. Mm. That, yeah, that, and you're existing about, yeah. in a bubble and you don't actually want to be drawn into the bubble of reality, yes. which is home, work, whatever, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very special, you know, to be able to do something like that where you can just be self completely selfish and um and do something big you yeah. know, something huge absolutely yeah yeah today you are 
What do you call your practice? Body talk? Mm. Yes. A body talk practitioner? Yes. So from physical education to PR to body talk, or was there something in between? Yeah, so there was something in between. Um, I then, in hmm, 2004, that's right, 2004 I did the first Cape Epic. Okay. Um, and that was so funny because nobody had a clue on how to train for stage races and something as big as that. So I struggled my way through that because I just, I was racing with um, Dave, my, my partner, and he was much stronger than I was. So I was always like, uh, gasping along at 80% and he was cruising at 50%. So it was a real struggle as well. And we didn't know much about nutrition and all of that as well. And you but have to stay within a certain distance of yes, each other, am I correct? Yes, two yeah. minutes of each okay. other, yeah. And so from that, then a friend of mine, um, we trained together to do that same for Cape Epic, and he lived in Sabi. So we launched something called the Sabi Experience, which was a four-day stage race okay. in Sabi, in Pumalaka. Oh, wow, what a lovely place. And, um, and so from there, I sort of got into event, cycle event organizing. Okay. Yeah, so that was Sabi Experience. And then in 2006, I launched something called the Panorama Cycle Tour which is a stage race for road bikes as opposed okay. to the plethora of mountain bikes yeah. that exists. So I got involved with those and sort of ran those um, until very recently. And then along the way, I got invited to set up a mountain bike race um, adventure in Madagascar, oh, wow. which was two years of exploring Madagascar, learned how to ride a motorbike. <laughs> I <was very laughs> nearly killed myself a few times <laughs> on it. <laughs> And, um, and then also did some work for Great Plains Conservation and putting together a cycle route and an event in Kenya oh, wow. as well, which was, oh, that was amazing. When you're cycling through wild animals, just amazing. roaming wild, it's just, oh, it was mind-blowing. That sounds well. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So through all of that, it's been, you know, all these incredible experiences. And then, of course, doing racing myself, yes. doing something. So, you know, on the Freedom Trail, did a couple of the other races sort of subsequent to that that were the shorter versions of it and sort of kept myself really um, fit and involved in all of those things. And then the body talk came around because of my own health. So what happened was I kind of went through quite a high stress period and it seemed to trigger autoimmune disease. Okay. And, you know, and it's been a very long journey and sort of subsequent discoveries about all of this as well. So... At the time, then, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, which okay. was, for me, a death sentence. Because yes. how do you actually carry on doing what I do if I had rheumatoid arthritis? Absolutely. Anyway, so the, all the advice was to take the drugs. And I how long ago was this now about? 2011 okay. was when I was diagnosed. Mm. And I couldn't find a lot of natural stuff then as well. So I took the drugs... And it was fine. I managed to carry on doing all the stuff that I did. But there was always the niggle at the back of my head that I wasn't happy because these drugs and the side effects were massive as well. And um, also I came across a friend who had rheumatoid arthritis, but she was absolutely fine. And she was doing it naturally. And also at the same time, I discovered a Dr. McCola who um, was big into sort of um, proper health and all of that. And then I discovered, which no doctor had ever told me, was the role of gut health. Oh. any of these diseases as well not one mention ever anyway so I decided that was it I went dropped all the medications immediately and then I started working with a naturopath okay she was a little hesitant she didn't think that she could help me much because she 
the drugs that I'd been taking were really bad for, for gut and stomach lining, as uh, uh, intestinal lining. So she was a little bit hesitant, but I was just fully prepared to commit to trying to do it naturally as well. So that was the end of 2015. But the biggest problem with any autoimmune disease is your resilience to stress goes down. Okay. So any sort of stress event can trigger flares or, okay. or um, you know, the disease can and raise its head again. Mm. So um, 2016 ended up... stress is just a break yeah, it down of yeah, autoimmune system. Yeah, and I'm learning a lot more about that now, which was, you know, you know and that's all these wonderful people that exist that are doing such amazing work on, on discovering elements about these diseases as well. Yeah, so 2016 ended up being enormously stressful. And then 2017, I had a Kenyan event. I had my Panorama Cycle Tour. And I worked on a, an event in Botswana, all Ooh. within the space of two months. Ooh. And I just went to pieces. Collapsed. Yeah, so 2017, I could barely get out of bed. But I had already discovered Body Talk at the beginning of that year. And I'd gone along to these practitioners. And it just... it just blew my mind in terms of how powerful it was and what it could do and the universe was clearly pointing me in a direction because there's a course starting like a couple of weeks after my first session oh, cool. there's one space left and I said <laughs> that's me and that's where I started the whole okay. body talk thing as well and throughout that desperate period of 2017 where I could hardly get out of bed and it was two hours to get dressed because I couldn't move fast I couldn't carry things I was so weak and you are now still super fit as well so mm, then no sort of in the december i'd i'd, I'd struggled and okay. i'd start and i tried in the so beginning of 2017 so to you, do that somebody as active as you were well to yeah because it all just fell apart yeah. um oh, you know really. so 2017 i could barely move and um so there was obviously no exercise no sport then and then even 2018 i struggled so literally two years with not being able to exercise at mm. all and so what the disease did with that was a total loss of identity, you know, because that was how I identified. Yes. I made my living from sport. I participated in sport. It was this massive passion, and then it just was gone. And you know, and when you in that situation, you also realise that the friends or the friendship circles you had were also related to sport. And I wasn't seeing all of them because mm. I wasn't yeah. participating, so it was harder. And I became an absolute hermit because oh. it was too painful to move and oh, go out. Shit, you know. It was, yeah. Driving was Sounds difficult, awful. and yeah, yeah, and it was humiliating as well because here I am, and so you know, I could carry things, lift things, do things for myself, and now I can't yeah. as well. But anyway, so and that really is where the body talk thing uh, kick started, and the practitioners who helped me were just amazing and so supportive, and you know, they were just there for me as well, which in so many respects is a critical part of healing is having care and nurturing and kindness and compassion which is something that I think people lack in general you know you go to a doctor you're in and out in 15 minutes he's reading your folder as or your file as you're walking in so you know and and, and then as soon as you're out the door he forgets because he now he's got the next person yeah. and you're that person living in your body who is 100% responsible for your own health mm. in the end as yeah. well and that's you know big learning curve is that um you have to take responsibility. You can't give away responsibility to outside forces. You use them and you need them. Um, I'm not saying you don't need doctors, but you have to 
you have to be your own advocate. Mm. You have to do the research. You have to do the reading, which is hard because it's a lonely journey and it's, you know, you have your setbacks and you go forward and then you're back and then you're forward and you're back and and you don't really know, you know, because there's so many different stories yeah. and so many different angles. And, and so what I find over time is that take a little bit from here and a little bit from there and something makes sense and then you find you'll come across somebody, thank God for the internet, because then there's just this light bulb moment that works for me as well. And you do the things and you start to put together your own health program that works for you and understanding that things always are shifting and changing as well. So patience, huge (laughs) amount of patience that one has to, to discover and, and you have to learn to be kind to yourself as well because and you've got to still love your body through all of that as through, well, yeah. because it's it's the one you've got, yeah. and it the doesn't want to be yeah. ill. It wants to be well. It wants to heal, um, and and it's doing it's doing what it can. And you have to support it through yeah. that process on an emotional level, a spiritual level, a physical level as well. So that's how I got to the whole awesome. body talk. Yeah, I I really like what you say about the taking responsibility. Mm. What I've discovered with my addiction mm. is. Obviously, there's certain products that I cannot take into my system. Mm. Any mind or mood altering substance, no, mm. I can't. Mm. And doctors and pharmacists, we trust them implicitly. Yeah. And I've discovered that we can't. Yeah. They, a doctor would sit and write a script for me while asking me, so how long have you been clean now and how is it going, bada, 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 get to the pharmacy and you've prescribed ephedrine. Oh, my Lord. What I learned was, well, my initial reaction was to be so angry at the doctor. Mm. Mm. And I learned that I need to take responsibility. Yeah. I need to ask the pharmacist if I hand him the script. Yeah. Does any of this contain X, Y, and Z? And if he says yes, then what alternatives do you yeah. have? Yeah. And it's I true. needed to own that, yes. the, that part because of it. Because with the best tool in the world, no doctor can know everything. Exactly. No pharmacist can know everything. We can't know everything. And neither can people who are yeah. in the alternative healing space either. Yes. So in the end, you have to work through these things yourself. We need to own and it. Exactly. Yeah. And what I love about Body Talk is that in many respects, it empowers people because it starts to show them the implications of whatever is going on in okay. their world and the environment. And you can show them through simple things like muscle testing. That is this right for me or is it not right awesome. for me? Does my body need this or not? Do I need two tablets of vitamin C today or only yeah. one? And the more we can start to listen to our bodies and refine our the attention that we pay to our bodies, the better it is in the long term cool. for healing and for also maintaining some sort of stasis in terms of our, our well-being. What is body talk? <laughs> you're talking about it as, as if I know I, I have no idea so if you think about it our bodies map out our entire history everything that has ever happened to us and before birth as well because there's stuff that yes. we inherit is mapped out in our body for better or for worse so every event that happened from childbirth onwards has had either a negative or positive or a neutral yes. effect on us some of the negative stuff is fine, it, it happened and it's gone, but a lot of the negative stuff can get jammed in our bodies because we don't process it yes. as well. So as a child, you don't understand what emotions you might be feeling, so you might be suppressing them. Whatever happens in the, in the childhood home, the way the parents are, the environment, whether you are free to express yourself or not, children should be seen, not heard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, you're gonna, if you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> All of those things can have... All resonate with me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, with many of us. But the point is that they get stuck in the body. 
as well. So, and ultimately what it does is it starts to break down your body's ability to communicate with yourself. Okay. So if you think about your body as, as a, you know, when you cut open a tree and you see all the rings of a yes. tree, you can see the good years, the bad years and things like that. It's the same sort of thing with okay. your body. So on that, with, with body talk, um, what we do is we pretty much a facilitator in that we work with the client to find out what it is that their body needs at that moment to start the healing process. Okay. So for example, your body can heal a cut. It knows what to do. If you break an arm, your body can heal the bone, but sometimes you need a splint while the body yes. heals. And that's kind of the way the body talk works. So you might come to me and say, I've got all of this pain in my body and nobody knows what's causing it as well. So you might come with the expectation that we'll ask your body and we'll find out what it is, but it might not go that way because your body actually has to address other things first before it can address that. Okay. So it might address something called what we call an active memory, which is a memory that is buried in the subconsciousness, but it's still got a, an emotional trigger to it. And once that emotion is taken away from the memory, it becomes just a memory okay. without the emotional response. And so you free yourself from all of these things okay. that have had a have had an emotional impact on you. So that's where it is so incredible because people don't understand the effect a toxic environment has on their bodies, mm. whether it's home, whether it's work, whether it's literally toxins from the air and the substances around us and what it does and, and, and the odd places that it can impact on us, you know, it can affect a different aspect of us, it can affect our entire energy systems or it can affect an organ or an yeah. endocrine and things like that as well. And people get these aha moments where it's, oh my word, I didn't realize that that's why I was always, you know, getting bronchitis or yes. why I constantly have problems with digestion as well. And and so every aspect of your body has an emotional attachment to it. It has a role other than the physical role that it does. It has a consciousness. It represents aspects of ourselves that um, the body talk practitioner will then interpret for you as the client and so you're getting the story of your body and you're getting the story of where you're at now and it also is a way of becoming more intuitive of your body so people will say oh I know there's something not right and they might be able to figure it out themselves or they might come for another session but they start to feel the messages that their body's telling them because okay. it's talking to you all the time it's always trying to tell you what it needs and what it wants, but we just we just don't have that capacity, okay. or we don't we're not still enough to to listen to our bodies and then do the appropriate. Okay, so are there certain practices that you do? the The picture that I've got in my head is of somebody who does the arm thing and say yeah, yeah. Um, so that's kinesiology. Okay, so body is, is talk works on of, a similar principle. Yeah, so. Okay. We, we use the yes or no response to get the answers from the body. But we have a very complex protocol that we follow that guides us on, on where we're going because obviously we, it's not, you can't be hit and miss. I think as one becomes more intuitive as a healer, you get the information almost instantaneously. But what we will do is we'll question the body. So where do I need to go? Do I need to go to section one? Yes. Do I need to go to an organ? Yes. Okay, which organ? And so you drill down okay. and you drill down and drill down and you can get right down to cellular level. So you can be quite specific about it's this particular lobe of this particular, of this lung or whatever okay. it is, or the aerials and areoles in a lung. Um, so, you know, so it, it can be that specific yes. because if there's a problem there that you can, you know, you can go there and, yeah. and redirect the body to, to concentrate on healing it. 
Um, so within body talk, there are also a lot of techniques to release various aspects as well. So there's techniques to work on the energy system, there are techniques to work on the musculoskeletal system, on the, is it the, the sort of the more emotional side of things as well. And some of those involve sort of hand positions, which is almost directing energy. But the main technique for everyone is that we always tap on the, what we call the three brains. So once we build a formula, so what I'm doing is I'm connecting this aspect of your body to this aspect of your body, to that, to that, to that, which compromises a formula which reconnects the body for its, to improve its functioning. And then what I do is I tap on the three brains, which is the head brain, which is like your supercomputer. It's a thing that sort of governs everything and, 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 and sets it in motion. We tap on the heart brain, which if you think about it, it would pump changes out, but it's also that inner wisdom and knowing mm -hmm. that's with the heart space. And then, of course, your gut brain. And, you know, more and more science is showing and proving the the relationship between your gut and your brain and, and how much c communication actually goes between the two of them. And that's where the, all the changes are processed, assimilated and digested so that your body can then make the shifts that have to happen. And they can be quite remarkable. You know, some people, they will just feel better. They feel like this burden has been lifted from them. And then there are other people that um, experience physical relief almost immediately and other people it takes a bit of time for the for the benefits mm. to accrue. But every session provides a benefit, whether it is massively obvious or not. Oh, wow. Yeah, because you, you, you're hearing, you know, you're paying attention yeah. to, to the person's body. Okay. Yeah. And are you, are you loving this? Oh, I adore it. Oh, oh cool. yeah. So not only because I've seen what it can do for somebody like myself, you know, from the depths of despair in terms of wellness and healing and how body talk turned that around for me and but to seeing what my clients experience and seeing the things that come up that are just so meaningful to them because it's truth. Yeah. You know, it's coming from within them, so it resonates straight away. And just seeing them kind of realize the, you know, what's going on and why yeah. it's going on and, and then being empowered to do something about it. So for me, it's an incredible modality. I would never say that it's the be-all and end-all. I think one always needs a basket of help um, to do what we need to do. But with the body talk, at least one can find out also what help is it that I need? You know, what else do I need to pay attention yeah. to? Because that can come up in the session is that, yeah, you need to go and do some light exercise or you need to do some meditation or you need to potentially see a doctor. Um, yeah. We never diagnose um, because that is not our skill set yeah. and things like that. But sometimes there are indicators that come up that say, look, you need to follow up on this okay. or whatever it might be. So, you know, that's the whole thing. And we also don't regard ourselves as treating people. We are basically facilitating the body's own ability to heal okay. as well. Awesome. Mm. So you are part of a group of healers who are going to take part in the Optima retreats in yeah, June. Yeah, it's, it's been quite incredible because... In, when I was in Joburg, I worked at a place called Your Space for Wellness. Yes. And there was a fabulous group of healers there. There were body talkers, there were nurses, there were oral hygienists, there were massage people, there were cranial sacral, colonics, the whole story there. And it was an, an amazing environment in which to flourish and nurture and, and have um, people who are on the same page. And then, of course, coming down here, it was a leap of faith. But I had met a couple of the ladies already through um, Life Retreat at Lawrenceford. Okay. And, you know, through them started to connect a little bit. And it's been interesting because 
we had already started talking about doing workshops where we would provide people with tools for healing. And in fact, we've got our second one this Sunday, yes. where we're going to um, just work with people on various aspects of healing and give them tools that they can take away and use in their day-to-day -day life. And, and the idea behind that is to try and create options for people to come and get healing that are inexpensive as well. So they're getting four elements of healing within... Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, the sound you're hearing is Tyson sitting on my lap and now he's coughing. So I apologize for this. But <laughs> you should do a little bit of body talk on you, eh? Shame I was scratching his throat, so I was wondering if so I now you've tickled it. <laughs> okay, calm down. We need to talk for the, for the microphone. And he's, and he's lying next. I can imagine what this is going to sound like. I apologize for this. Oh, there you go. Get it out. Also, rather out than in, hey, boy? There you <laughs> go. Okay. Paying rent. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, yeah. where are you doing it? So, the, the workshop we're doing in Stellenbosch this time around as okay. well. And it's something we want to continue doing, just making some sort of healing more accessible awesome. to people as well. And, and was the first one a success? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. we did that here in Somerset West. Yes. And um, oh, we had so much fun. As well, oh, just wonderful. doing it and, and being so now that it. that's yourself doing the body talk. Mia does the Mia. <laughs> yes, um, and Kathy is doing the mindfulness. Yes, and Leah is doing the detox. The detox. Oh, yes. cool. And so that's the sort of four of yeah. us. And then of course Leah shared with us about her big retreat that she wants to do, yes. which is an all-out healing. Yeah. And um, I think people who go to that are are going to come out so supercharged as well. Yes. I can't imagine anything else that would give people such a wide range of assistance. I've never from heard a, of anything like that yeah, in, in, in yeah. my life. So I, I'm you so know, excited to be involved in it. Yeah, and the people that are coming together to provide a healing space for mm. whoever participates in this are so committed and also entrenched in what they do yes. and love what they do. It's such a good basket, yeah. again, using that analogy of skills to take people to, I think, another level of healing yeah. that they could never achieve just willy-nilly and just kind of trying here and trying there exactly, and all of that yeah. and here you can experience all of it and um and decide what works best for you and then pursue it as I well so, afterwards yeah. yeah i think it's an amazing idea yeah it, it really is and i think there's a call for more and more collaboration like mm. that and i think you know for anyone who's in the healing space it's it would be something to look to look out for and, and maybe try yeah. and create because if I think about it in a much bigger picture um, just our country needs healing there's so much anger there's so much fear there's mm. so much distrust hate and so much negativity and and, and so much hurt yeah. and, and, and and emotional distress that you know we've experienced over years and years and years that I think that's a role that healers can play to try and heal you know whether it's in your own sphere yeah. but try and heal on a bigger scale as well Absolutely. and and try and spread that energy yes um and, and start getting it radiating out as well and i think it's so arrogant for one healer to think that he's got the answer yeah, um, yeah. i might have the answer for for x mm, but mm. you will have the answer for y and somebody else for a b and mm. c and mm. I, I'm a very, very big collaborator mm. in so many, I, I, I've got so many projects going mm. where, where I work with other people mm. and it's because I don't know everything. Mm. So I, I've got this, you've got that, so let's put mm. it together and, and, and create a, yeah. a third thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's wonderful. Yeah. And that's one of the powers of body talk in that you don't go in with an expectation because you don't know what's going to come yes. up. 
and you, you, you do the best you can under the circumstances and you put it all together and your biggest gift to your client is to be fully, fully present in the session. And once they leave, their body takes over because the body has got all the wisdom you could ever know need and it and it has access to all the knowledge that ever was and so their body is then able to draw on whether you want to talk yeah. about as a universal power or as a collective consciousness or a source or, or God or whatever it might be to start rolling that yeah. healing through you know and this healing is not all physical am I correct no not at all so anxiety Many fe- I think it's depression. the other way around in in that so many physical illnesses are born of emotions, yeah. uh, emotional crises, spiritual crises, and all of that as well, and the kind of society we live in. You know, stress. I, mm. For me, I've always, you know, since being diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, it's always been a case to me that it's the it's the illness or the scourge of um, sort of the 21st century lifestyle, yes. because we are under this enormous load of stress and. And people almost, you know, I, I read somewhere just today about people being addicted to stress. Mm. And also people, they do revel in it because it, it kind of creates a bit of a, 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 a heroic feeling, you know, that I'm taking all of this on and I'm, yeah. I'm reliable and I'm meeting my deadlines and, and I'm putting in the extra hours and all of that, which is fine. Um, but it, it shouldn't be something that mm. one's doing 24-7 and never shutting off and never detoxing from from the uh, sort of social media or from computers and all of that as well. And we see less and less perhaps of people who just get out into nature and spend time out there, you know, just um, getting a different perspective. So what do you do to relax? Are you you able to now exercise again? Starting. Slowly, slowly, I'm slowly starting. It. So Nia was amazing for me. I started that in November, and it was the first thing that I could start to do with any reasonable consistency. And the nice thing about Nia is that there is no demands. Okay. You move the way you are able. I'm doing my first session oh. not tomorrow, next Saturday. Mia Fantastic. has convinced me to, to join, so I'm very excited yes. about that. And it doesn't matter who or what you are. Um, that you know, you just go there, and it was great because it it helped me explore. Um, my improvement in movement, um, okay. you know, under a, a different thing. So, you know, what I would have done at home perhaps would never have taken me as far as the near okay. would have. And it was able, I was able to just experiment and and, and, and just push the boundaries in, in small ways to just see where I was. And, um, and the interesting thing is that, you know, within... A month or two of being down in Somerset West, my health had already started to turn around. So the move oh, wow. down here was fundamental in bringing that forward. And the other interesting thing is, is that when I talked to Mia, and she's seen my journey from when I started in November to where I am now, and I get this sort of objective feedback and, and how she is so excited about how she sees that improvement. Awesome. So, yeah, so that's that has kept me going because, you know, they always tell you you must move. You know, when you're ill, but I, I struggled. I could not move yeah. without pain. And it was that sort of ghastly in-between thing. Of if, I, if I didn't move, I was in pain. If I moved, I was in pain. Yeah. And then um, I finally, in, in this year, started to get back on my bike okay. and do little trundles around Somerset West. Um, nothing too taxing at this stage. But just exploring where the barriers are at the moment. Cool. Because if I push too far, then I can have a setback. Yeah. But as I build it up, then that barrier gets further and further and further. So you really, really have to listen to your body. Yeah. Obey your body. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah and i'm learning you know because i'm in that space as well so i i study a lot around healing because not only for what i can bring to my clients but obviously in my own space yeah. and you know just recently i've discovered a whole lot of stuff on energy fatigue and and why people who are ill have such low energy okay. as well and you know so it's all of that understanding yeah. so it's a continual learning thing which is great i love the fact that it is there's never you can never stop learning yeah. as well and, and and you know that's part of it and then um, the other thing, recreational is I read a lot and cool. I listen to audiobooks. So love fiction um, and it's a wide variety of fiction. I also do a bit of writing oh, wow. as well. Yeah, I discovered something, I can't remember what year it was now, uh, called National Novel Writing Month. Okay. Which is an international movement. Every November of every year, people sit down to write a 50,000 word novel or more as well wow. in the space of the month so you can do all your prep beforehand but you can't start writing before midnight on the 1st of November as well so I've done that for a number of years so I've got oh, all these really? manuscripts piled up in my drawer and then I'm busy working with all about writing which I mentioned to you a bit earlier and who are mentoring me on the one manuscript so that's also another area which is Exciting. quite nice yeah yeah so yeah, bits and pieces but I think you know for me kind of committed to getting back into some sort of exercise and um you know i i don't i'm not putting any expectations in terms of what i can get back to you know i don't know if i do another type of freedom mm. trail thing or not but um i really want to get back to some sort of balance there as well because there's a whole world waiting here in somerset west for me that i need to explore i'm going to end with this but it's nearly as if i'm to bring the conversation back to, to, to the spiritual journey, am I hearing kindness towards self? So we sort of skipped out the start of that many, many, many years ago. I read Neil Donald Walsh's Conversations with God. Ah, okay. And that was so meaningful for me because it was a, such a simple concept which to me covered everything. And that was his philosophy about that it's, it's all about love. And that God is only love. And that is our sole purpose, is to return to that state, ah. which is love on a scale that we can't even comprehend. So all these things for me with that religion about vengeful revenge, angry gods and all of that, never ever bought into. But it's all about love. <laughs> and, and that is a continuous process as well. And so whether it's love for self, um, which I think is where people struggle the most, mm. love for others, love for your, for everything around you and gratitude for everything yeah. around you are all interwoven and 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 that for me has always been the anchor okay. as well and the still point if you want to call it that and you know from there you can kind of make your assessments is this increasing my ability to love is it making me love more is it making me a more loving person or not oh wow and it just you know it's easy in the yeah. end i mean it's not it, and it's it's a work in progress but it just it just paves the way for all your intentions and everything that you do. And that's why the body talk is so amazing because I can come in there with that with that attitude and love what I do, love the people that come to me, love the process and and you know, in some way hopefully um, impact on them that they can go forward and expand in their own journey. And I think the body talk touches a lot on that sort of spirituality because awesome. people are often seeking. They're seeking change, yes. they're seeking something different. Yeah which is tied up to to your your soul yeah. and your and your spiritual journey and whether you 
doesn't matter whether you have a religion or not. It's it's all about your soul's journey. Yeah. Fiona, where, where do we find you? If anybody listens to this and says, this sounds interesting, I want to look this lady up. Do you have a website? I have a website. It's F5 Body F5. Talk. Yes. Um, as an F5 on your computer, when you hit the refresh button, <laughs> come and refresh your body. <laughs> so F5 Body Talk. Oh, that's clever. <laughs> I would never have... I know. I thought it was clever I, I and then nobody got I, it. <laughs> I don't work with an F. My husband would get it. Yes, he probably he, he, would. He works with the with with F keys. I've never... Touch them. <laughs> I, can, I can cut that section of my keyboard off and because I have to remember what they stand for. Well, if I was the only one you really need to know. So next time your screen freezes, you just hit F5. And cool. Because it's F5. .co.za. And I'm also on Facebook, also F5 cool. Body Talk. And then I'm based here in Somerset West. So cool. easy to cool. find. Yeah, I'll, I'll put the links on the, the intro and the outro of the podcast so you can just go to the website, freddy.org. And click on that link. It will link you to that to that to that website and to Facebook page. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So now you do know what body talk is. Now I do know what body talk is. <laughs> it sounds really Mission fascinating. Accomplished. <laughs> yes, and I hope a few other people know, now know what body talk is as well. Fiona, thank you so so much. I I loved this. It was this wonderful chatting to you. Yeah, I've loved it and, as well. Um, it's been interesting to kind of go back to the past and, and mm. relive a little bit of that and remind myself of where I've come from. That is what I get so often. Mm. So mm. often saying, oh my God, I forgot about that. And I remember I used to do that. I need to start doing that again. Mm. And mm. that's lovely. Mm. Mm. Listen, have a wonderful, it's Friday afternoon, so have a wonderful weekend. You too. Thank Ciao. you. Bye. What an amazing and interesting woman. I have, after this recording, actually gone for a body talk session with Fiona and can feel that things are shifting in the right direction for me. If you want to know more about the wellness retreat we discussed, go to Facebook and search for Rejuvenate, June Wellness Retreat. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor, or on Twitter at at Freddy, or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. I want to thank Fiona for her time and energy in talking to Meet Me in the Field. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.